this week for returning to our conversations with Jesus that are recorded in John. We've been doing a series on that. We've talked about Jesus having breakfast with the disciples after his resurrection, um, where he talked specifically to Peter about um, if Peter loved Jesus, he would take care of Jesus' sheep or followers. Mm. Jesus asks us, do you love me? Because loving him will change us from the core of who we are to the outside. Jesus commands us to care for his sheep because our loving actions for each other will draw others into his family. And Jesus tells us we will go where we don't want to go because loving people as he loves them will cost us deeply. Because it calls us to follow him. Let him lead and set the agenda. Because when Jesus forgives and restores, he also transforms. We have listened in on Jesus' conversations with Nicodemus and Nathaniel. Nicodemus came with questions and left with even more questions. Because every encounter with God is unique and eye-opening. With Nathaniel, we see that we are to invite people to meet Jesus, to come and see for themselves. And when we do, Jesus will say to them, I saw you before. You are one of the reasons the cosmos exists and why I gave my life. This week, we are observing his conversation with a woman that we don't even know her name, but she was important to the story. She was seen, and it changed the lives of many in her town. Imagine that you are in a place strongly divided by race and religion. One is so bad, or one so bad, that your people would go out of their way to go between places just to avoid going through that area. A time when women couldn't divorce her husband, uh, well, women couldn't divorce their husbands, or her husbands, oh, yeah, a woman couldn't uh, divorce her husband because she was dependent on him to survive. In fact, all the money she ever had was from her dowry that her father gave to her husband and the money that her husband let her use. Or possibly a brother might take care of her if the father and husband were unable to. There were, uh, those were the only lawful ways for a woman to have money. The only other was considered shameful. Um, think of a time when a woman was considered property and men didn't speak to even their wives in public. The passage today takes place in such a time and place that you just knew. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Samaritans are the descendants of Jacob, like the Jews are, but they ended up intermingling and weren't considered pure blood. Plus, they only followed the first five books of the Old Testament, those written by Moses. Jews had the books of the prophets as well. Jews wouldn't even share utensils like buckets with Samaritans for fear that they hadn't held to the ritual cleaning laws 
So Jews normally would have gone around Samaria to get to Galilee. But Jesus had a divine appointment in Samaria. So he took his Jewish followers and went through Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. I just want to make sure there's something on the screen. <laughs> Sorry. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. He had been walking a long time in the sun and heat. I haven't actually been to the Middle East, but I know people who have, and it's hot there. Um, and noon, high noon, you know, it's going to be extremely hot. So he was tired, and he was thirsty, rightfully so. And he sat down, and he sent his disciples into, uh, into town to get food while he waited. The conversation he was about to have was better done one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. The time isn't uh, the normal time for someone to get water. The women often went in the morning and again at night. Yet, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? She was genuinely taken back that a Jewish teacher would address her and want to use her bucket. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoy? Again, Confused, this woman asks how Jesus could give her living water, as in a spring of water instead of stagnant well water. It is fairly common that we view that he was referring to the spiritual uh, to the spiritual side of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to contradict that. But I will point out that Jesus was using what was right there in that circumstance to reach out to her and help her know who he was. Mm. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving life uh, eternal, them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here and get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. She was intrigued, but still confused. She was looking for an escape from her current life situation, one where she was shamed by her townspeople. She wanted freedom, and Jesus gave her an opportunity to be honest before him. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. The woman was open and honest. She didn't have a husband. 
Yet Jesus went from there and shared that he not only knew that, but saw her as she was. This woman had five husbands prior to her current relationship. It doesn't say they all divorced her. Some might have died. However, what this says is that she had that she had hurt and she had baggage. She hadn't been able to depend on men like women had to do at that time. The man she was depending on now refused to commit to her. She was a woman in pain, a woman desperate to survive, a woman that was doing the best she could and still was being judged for. And then Jesus comes and doesn't condemn her. He sees her. He celebrates that she was honest with him. His knowledge lets her know that he was a prophet. So she asks him a religious question that was part of what divided Samaritans from the Jews. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount uh, yeah, Gerzim? I don't know how to say it. Jerusalem, uh, where our ancestors worshipped. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus says that the time has come when it won't matter where one worships God, but rather how they worship him will matter. They need to worship with who they are, all of them, all of it, all of who they are. And they must seek the truth, which later in John, Jesus says he is the truth, so they must seek him. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. This is the first time in John where Jesus plainly declares, I am the Messiah. I'm the person you're looking for. And he says it to an outcast woman of a race that was considered less than. He raised her up and acknowledged her worth by telling her. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? Of course, he had broken the customs. So there were questions from his followers. They didn't say them out loud, though, which, honestly, probably would have done some of, uh, undone some of the good that Jesus had just done in healing her wounds, if they had. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came, streaming from the village to see. The woman had been filled with joy and confidence. Her shame had been removed, and she wanted to share the news. She said, come and see the man who saw me. 
and the people responded. <laughs> Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while he, we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, the nourishment, or my nourishment, comes from doing the will of God who sent me, and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. I imagine that Jesus raised his hand to the crowd of people that approaching from the city where he had said, uh, when he said that. Wake up and look around. The fields are ripe and ready for harvest. Showing them the hunger of the Samaritans. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get together the harvest. God had done the planting with the Samaritans. They had been told through Moses of the Messiah. They didn't know all about God, the different facets. They only saw a portion of them. But it was enough that when Jesus came and cared for the Samaritans, that the disciples were going to be able to bring these people into God's family. Many Samaritans from that end of the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Jesus not only went through Samaria, but he also stayed in Sakaar for two additional days. It doesn't say whether or not he performed the miracles, yet the Samaritans didn't need the miracles. They believed because of what the woman said and what Jesus himself said. They believed he was there to save the world, not just the Jews or the Samaritans, but all of them. When we have a conversation with Jesus, we can know that he sees us as we are and is giving us a chance to be honest with him. If we are angry at him, he already knows, but he gives us the chance to tell him so that he can love us unconditionally. Jesus will not condemn us. He will commend us for being honest, and he will show himself to us so that we can share our experience and bring others to be seen by him. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you, and we have been seen. You see us as we are. You see our imperfections, you see our hurts, see the damage of the sinful world that we live in has done to us. And Lord, we rejoice in being seen. 
ask you to heal. And we ask that you help us to see other people and bring them to you so that they can be seen by you and healed by you. Lord Jesus, we live in a world, in a community that is hurting. Help us to see it like you see it. Help us be willing to share the joy, the confidence that we have because you have seen us. Help us to love the way you love, selflessly and unconditionally. I'm going to be doing the benediction, which that kind of was. But um, when Jesus met with the disciples after he was resurrected, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they changed the world. So he is saying to you, Receive the Holy Spirit. You are sent. Thank you. 